everyone, and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Scottish Paddlecast from the Scottish Canoe Association. Uh, we hope you're all keeping well, and we are delighted to be joined today by uh, Christina Medochikova, who is a lead podium potential coach for the British Canoeing Olympic Sprint Programme. She has a wealth of experience as a paddler and coach, so delighted that she's made the time to join us today. Um, so thanks, Christina. Hiya. So, Christina, to get you warmed up and get you going, we've been asking everybody the same question. If you could paddle anywhere in the world, any boat type, any place, with any people, uh, where would you go and what would you do? It's a difficult question, but probably I would go back to my default. I would paddle where I found a lot for the sport. I would go back to my former club and paddle there with the people who know me, uh, people I've been on the journey. So that that's probably would be my number one. Okay. And what kind of boat would you paddle in? Uh, spring boat. That's out of question. No other boat for me. Spring boat. <laughs> that's really good. So far we've had um, uh, two slalom, former slalom, slalom paddlers. So they were all into big water and stuff. So nice to have a fast boat for a change. That's good. Um, listen, people are will know you some won't know you it'd be great just to get things going here if you just tell us a bit about how you got into paddling in the first place so when i was 10 somebody came to school uh, and had a little talk about whether somebody sporty whether they want to try something new so we agreed that the following whatever day it was uh, that we're going to meet at the school we walked all together at the club and pretty much it was Love at first sight, so first tried, really loved it, loved the freedom, and never looked back. So for me, it was pretty straightforward. And so did you start straight into sprint boats, or did you start yes. in general so boats? Basically, the, yeah, the culture and the environment I do come from, the clubs are very specific. So at that time, you need to realize it was still deep communism, and the you know one of the one of the things to show the capitalist West was through sport. So all the clubs were pretty professional. So from day one, you joined in. There was a clear, clean, clear pathway in front of you. Uh, what to, where to go? You, you saw the older groups. You, you saw how success looks like as, like as well. So, but at the very beginning, for as for everybody, it's just uh, love for the sport. It's uh, just being out there doing stuff with the peers that you like, and later on. Uh, comes the motivation, comes you know that feeling that that hunger for success. But at the beginning, it was just definitely just being out there with uh, with people doing what we all really like doing. Okay, brilliant. And so, how did you progress as a paddler? Then you said you started out in swimming. No, uh, what happened along the way? My very first session was good because I didn't swim, but then I swim every single session for the rest of the season for a couple <laughs> of weeks, months. I actually can't remember. So, yeah, so that's how it started. I just love being outdoors. It doesn't matter that I was in the water or not. I just think all those swims just gave me a big kind of resilience. And, and I learned learned the skill of into the boat, out of the boat, doing the, these things on my own as well. And, uh, yeah, so I really liked it. On my very first competition, a couple of years later, dead last, dead last. So... But then going up, going out of the lightnings, my very last competition, that's when I won. So that's when everything just started to turn around, when that hunger uh, for success started to keep me going. Okay. And, and so where did that lead you then? 
after you've had a season of falling in, where did that take you next? Uh, so uh, as soon as we came out of lightnings into proper full-size sprint boats, we, we had a really good structure system at our club. And uh, very quickly, that very first season, I started to be really good. So I was a really good, really successful junior. So when I was about 13, it was between me and another girl. And you never, you never knew which one's going to win. And, and as I was getting older, I was always getting the competitive age. And uh, so by the age of 16, I gained my first uh, selection into the Czechoslovak team, which was a big thing because, you know, I was competing with three-year-old girls, beating three-year-old girls. Wow. So, yeah, and uh, until now, I'm still probably the most successful junior uh, a girl uh, in Slovakia. Uh, achieving achieving fourth place, which is quite unfortunate, but I was really pleased with that that uh, that achievement. And then it kind of took me through all the way to seniors. That was a, the first year as a senior, age 19. We didn't have any under 23s at that time. It was a big shock to the system. But my, my very first senior world was basically a qualification for the Olympics, for the Atlanta uh, Olympics. It was a big eye-opening from the point of view that there was this big generation of female athletes with Fisher, Borchert, uh, Edem, Kerban still paddling around. So we just actually saw what the sport was about and what's important. And uh, I, and I took it to took the learning afterwards for a couple of years. And obviously my best season was in 97 uh, when I managed to finish in finals, both at the Worlds and Euros. But then I had a kind of my career kind of come to the very quick end with a really bad accident and uh, I made a decision to to just stop canoeing and let's focus on my uni and life ahead. So that, that's pretty much. I was a very kind of promising young athlete, never really achieved my potential, mm. which was quite hard to deal with and live with for a good couple of decades, I have to say. But on the other hand, that took me on a journey. I, I got great great memories, great friends and friendships all over the world. And uh, it got me where it got me. So if I wouldn't have stopped at time, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I wouldn't want it any other way. So as I always say, everything everything bad is good for something. And it's a little bit of karma a little bit, you know, giving you back. I'm happy yeah, with well, it. It's really sitting with me, this idea of that unfulfilled potential thing. And, you know, I've become a different sport, but I definitely know that feeling of, Oh, could I've done more, or did I fill my potential, and all that that kind of thing, which leads me really nicely into your current role. Obviously, British canoeing is part of the podium potential program. So I'm wondering if you could maybe give us the the short history of how you started out in coaching, where that started, and then where kind of how that's led you to be in your current role. Then, uh, as far as I remember, I always wanted to coach. I actually didn't think about anything else. I, I just kind of love the sport. I'm just so passionate about the sport and I'm happy to help everybody and everybody. So that's one of the reasons so why I studied uh, physical education and sport. Uh, it's a little bit different degree over there. So it's basically a master degree, gives you qualification as a top coach. Plus you get a physical education as a backup plan if you don't want to go coaching. But I never wanted to teach. I always wanted to be a coach. So during the uni studies, it's compulsory. We had to have our practice as well. So that's where I started to engage with little, little kids, uh, with the local clubs around Bratislava first. And then when I finished, I you know, went back home and was kind of helping. So pretty much from my 
what would I say, from from the age of 22-ish, I've been kind of involved in coaching. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a long time now. Yeah, and, and so when you started out, did you start out um, coaching kids in clubs or did you start out at performance level? Where did it start? Yeah, I always wanted to, but I never actually been given the opportunity back at home. So back at home, I was kind of coaching little kids in Lightning. So it's pretty much uh, beginners and then another group were those who already could paddle much better were the competitors. Uh, but I always knew that uh, I wanted to actually do something where I can show what I am capable of. I always wanted to share my experience, my love for the sport. And I always kind of wanted to see whoever commits to actually uh, support the best way possible so that they do reach their potential. Very fortunately, but unexpectedly, the opportunity came in Scotland. That probably was the best thing I could have done. You know, I I didn't think I was going to be invited for interview. I was. And when, then when I came, I did, did see three different clubs and I was just thinking, oh my God, 50 years behind Europe, what the hell am I going to do with that? <laughs> and then once I was through the initial shock, it was all, oh, this is a great opportunity. And then obviously I won the interview. Within three weeks, I was in Scotland and never, never looked back. So, so yeah, I packed my little punto, drove across the whole Europe Called over up to Edinburgh and never looked back. So, wow, amazing! I, I've got this this image of young women who's come from Czechoslovakia, as it as it was when you were racing, and uh, Slovakian yeah. Republic, and you arrive in in Scotland. What was that like for you? Just walking into that, uh, that culture. It was a cultural shock. Very different country. But what did help is the people. Amazing people. Really, really friendly. Uh, really, really helpful. So uh, I could have not asked for better colleagues that I had at DSCA, you know, in Margaret, in Stuart. They supported me all the way. They, that, you know, they taught me so much. They believed in me, which actually meant a lot. And they backed me up. Doesn't matter whether it was, it was good or bad. I, I had this constant backup and this security that, yeah, I need to learn. I'm young. I need to learn. I'm going to be learning on my mistakes, but I want to do it under my terms. And... You know, so I'm going to be always really grateful to, to the Scottish Canoe Association, A, to give me the opportunity, B, to give me the trust to actually set something up. Yeah, amazing. So you've given the perfect little segue there. So setting things up, and that's maybe a bit of a theme of what you did in Scotland. Could you maybe just paint a bit, a bit of a picture about the things you tried to set up in Scotland when you came up first? So uh, imagine me coming from a big club where we do have a two-story building on the bottom you have massive gym you've got a, a changing rooms you've got a massive meeting room you've got a sauna you've got a jacuzzi you've got tennis courts outside you've got a workshop for board repairs on the top floor you've got coaches offices a little bit uh, changing rooms for more elite athletes and one side of it you've got a basically 10 rooms you can you can get some income from so uh, the boat shed separately next to the building, that boat shed is probably bigger than any any club I've seen so far anywhere in Britain. And uh, massive water, which is very slowly flowing, uh, coach always in the power boat. Going to Scotland, going to the three clubs where I went to, where the first one, uh, which was Linlithgow, didn't even have a clubhouse. 
they just did meet in the canal bank and they just did co-canoeing. The other one was Kirkodi. They were a little bit better. They had a little shed which was filled up from top to bottom with, I've never seen so old boats in my life. The third one was Fourth Canoe Club, which, uh, which was primarily a slalom slash general purpose boat. And, uh, but they did actually secure some funding. So they actually had some nice, shiny, skinny spring boats, but on a canal in Edinburgh where, uh, so, so for me, all these, uh, all these were limitations as well as the opportunity. Yeah. So I was kind of setting up from pretty much minus 50, <laughs> what, 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 what's being achieved. But the big driver for me was that I knew it was possible. I knew it was possible because uh, all I needed, I just need to sell. I need to sell my dream and I needed people to buy into it and then people believing it. And then then one, once that ball started rolling, that's when, you know, uh, the athletes started to get into teams and they started to perform. So, yeah. So starting okay. from, scratch, from zero in, in 2007, which basically culminated to a junior world champion in 2017 two years before that uh two bronze medals uh from the junior worlds as well wow so in those 10 years a lot of things happened it sounds oh, like yeah, massively massively yeah. I'm, I'm really interested if you were to maybe describe your approach to coaching when you first came over to scotland back in 2007 and then maybe describe how that evolved and adapted and what it might look like now if you imagine anybody coming from Eastern Europe, probably you're gonna imagine somebody who's pretty direct, strong-willed, my way, highway. But at the beginning, that's what was needed because people didn't know any different or any better. And as you know, as the as I was learning from my own mistakes, and the biggest difference was in my coaching is that I always say that I did get my education a lot from the sport, for the sport in Slovakia, but I did become a coach in Britain because I had to address things differently. I actually, okay, why are we doing this session? The kids asked, and I had to ask, okay, so how am I going to explain it to them? How, why are we doing that session? Because the way I've been taught is uh, the coach tells you what to do, you do it, you don't question. While here it was, the people more, were more aware, they wanted to know, as soon as I realized that once they know they're more aware, they can actually start making bigger improvements. So I had to start looking into everything from a completely different point of view. And uh, that's how I, comp I, 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 my coaching turned probably 720, not even 360. From the point of view that how I'm dealing with athletes, how I'm speaking to them, how I'm getting them on the journey, my awareness, oh my God changed so much as i say before it was my highway and i was willing to pick the fight with anybody because i was convinced that that way is the right way right now i i see you can get from a to b 55 different ways and none of them is right or wrong which one is the correct one for you it's really interesting a big part of the work that i do in coach development and i think about a lot is this idea that the problem is almost everything works and uh, and there are some coaches i work with who absolutely don't believe that They're like no 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 my way is the right way and what you just said there as well, oh, there's 50 ways to coach that athlete. Yeah. What you can do is figure out which one's going to be the most effective for them right now. And so, it's even harder to do in a group environment because obviously that's how we're leading the sessions. So, but I suppose it, uh, it's a little bit less important when younger, younger you are more, more 
telling, you more guiding, you let them explore. When they're older, every time it did work was that it, any relationship developed into the working partnership. So that means instead of me pulling people behind or pushing, it's basically us walking side to side and challenging each other. So, and that's my experience. That's when it works the best, where both of us are on the same journey. Both of us are learning the same way, we're challenging and we choosing together what's the best, what's the best to sort that, that the situation we're dealing with or the skill or the gap we're trying to develop or the gap we're trying to close. Yeah, that's really interesting. What I've just written down there is this idea that maybe before you were thinking that um, the athletes were working for you and then that shift to no, no, they're working with me yeah. rather than for me. It's definitely yeah. happening as they're growing up, as they're more aware, they've got this motivation, uh, they clearly know what they want to achieve. It, it's changing on their journey as well. I'm interested. What were some of the biggest, uh, I guess, lessons or things you learned on that road to those, um, well, let's we'll say his name, Yayan's, Yayan's uh, World and European uh, Champion. What were the things you now reflect on were the biggest bits of learning for you? Trust the team around you. Use the team around you as well, more, definitely. I could have done much better with that. Uh, but also, uh, listen to your instinct. Because instinct comes from back to experience. Sometimes you just you just can't explain it, but you know that's the right thing. And it's probably backed up with so much uh, experience, you just can't put it into words. So listen, listen to the instinct, and if you believe that's the right way, just go and pursue it. Believe is where the magic lies. It doesn't matter how good or bad the program is. If you believe it, if the athlete believe it, you've got a high chance of success. If you've got the best program in the world, but the athlete doesn't buy in, if they don't believe in it, you're not going to get anywhere. So so it's it's belief is where the magic lies, I've been always saying. Belief is where the magic lies. We might have a title for our podcast there. Nice, nice. Um, that might be what we call it. So... I suppose fast forwarding a few years, you then got the opportunity to um, come to British Canoeing. Could you tell us a bit about your, your current role and, and the work you're doing? Yeah, so currently I'm the podium potential lead, which means that as the program is structured, there are podium potential athletes. Uh, so they are mainly under 23 athletes who've got a talent and already some uh, uh, some results behind them. So what we're trying to do is to develop them to give them the best opportunity, the best chance to become a successful senior athletes. So, so my job is making sure that these athletes are getting the support they need. On a daily basis, I do coach under 23 women. So that, that's plus. So I got kind of two hats. So I got my coaching hat and I've got my uh, leadership hat and I kind of need to really juggle and balance well. And it's not easy. I'm interested in that. So you kind of separate out coaching and leadership. Uh, I'm wondering how, how do you decide when you're wearing one and when you're wearing the other hat? Uh, it just really depends on the situation or what we're dealing with. Obviously, what, what I enjoy the most is coaching. That's who I am. That's what brings me satisfaction. That's where I feel really, uh, really at home. Leadership is kind of something new that I've been looking into the last probably two years. And, uh, you know, if I look back, I've come a long way, definitely come a long way, but there's a long way to go still. 
So I'm more aware than ever. So I'm aware of my behaviors, uh, emotions. Uh, I'm aware of whatever's around me, but also I need to be in control of all of that and making sure that I'm using the team around me as well to make some decisions, not just do it on my own. So whilst in Scotland, it was everything on my shoulders. Uh, it's a little bit different now. I've got a big team of people. And once you used to work isolated on your own, then it's kind of very hard to get the whole team's expertise involved. So definitely different challenges. And I'm not saying I'm winning all the time. So it's, you know, there are battles. Sometimes I'm winning, sometimes I'm losing, but I'm learning from it. For as long as I don't make the same mistake twice, I'm genuinely, I genuinely think I'm heading heading the right direction. It's just learning from everything. We're all human, you know? We, we're not perfect. We're not doing everything. We're doing everything probably 100%, but sometimes we've got good intents that don't end up well. All we need to do is just kind of uh, pause for a second, reflect, learn from it, and move on. And if you need to say sorry, say the sorry. So I'm not, not afraid to say, Sorry, I messed up, but we're not going to do that next time. So I'm really interested in, um, I'm imagining in your current roles, um, you're now seeing some young coaches coming through. And I'm wondering what are, if you're offering advice to young coaches coming into the world of sprint, what are some of the things you see they do that you think they can maybe do a bit better? Or what's some of the good advice you might offer them? Just be eager to learn. You know, ask questions. Don't be afraid. Ask questions. Uh, you know, my door is open. Anybody can come anytime to come and shadow me or send me an email, send me a video. This is my parlor. What do you think? You know, I'm happy to, to give as much feedback as I can. Uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect, and I'm definitely not. There are certain things that I do really well and they work well. It doesn't necessarily mean it would work for the other person. I think every single coach needs to develop their own uh, ways of coaching, their own coaching philosophy. And as soon as they know what that is, the picture should be really clear. I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. And I know, and I know most of my strength overdoing them are my weaknesses as well at the same time. So, so I just need to be aware of those. Amazing. So uh, we're approaching the end of our of our amazing conversation that we could carry on for another hour quite easily. Um, I, I suppose I'm wondering, well, what's next for you in the program? Well, what's kind of on the horizon for you? Obviously, the games have been postponed for a little while. I'm, I'm wondering what's next for you. Um, that's a really good question because uh, right now everything's on hold. Some of the athletes are training more than the others. My my ultimate goal is definitely to get athletes to to podiums so and, and we'll see how the future is going to unfold so for as long as i'm doing my best for as long as my athletes are enjoying the journey improving achieving their potential i'll be happy amazing oh, christina i've written down so many things you've said in the last half an hour or so um that, yeah thank you so much for sharing them all just this um i've written in a couple of things that are, are probably worth sharing with people um yeah, listen to your instincts you know it comes from past experience and you can't always articulate it so that's kind of sync with me um your big one belief is where the magic lies which is what i think we'll have to call this podcast i think um that there's something in there and then just what i've heard from you throughout this call is that real humility that real well i might be wrong actually and i'm really happy to admit that i'm wrong and i'm really happy to learn and your advice to young coaches was to 
be okay with that and be okay be eager ask questions and, and keep going um so yeah thank thank you so much um those of you listening at home uh, i would be furiously scribbling stuff down that christina shared there was some real wisdom in there um keep a lookout for future podcasts um hit subscribe means you won't you won't miss out on anything and um, most importantly right now um please look after yourselves and, and stay safe so thanks very much everyone thanks christina thank you